0: Of course, it would be Luke, the master storyteller, who would give us the description of the event that we celebrate on this day. Luke, the weaver of details and images, the author of narratives so engaging that they have stayed with the Christian tradition for generations. But if I had a chance to speak to Luke about his details in that first reading, I might ask him, Luke, you say that they were all gathered in one place. Who is this they that you are speaking about? Where is this place, and what were they doing there? As we continue that story, some clues begin to emerge. It was, of course, the Jewish festival of Shavuot that was being celebrated in Jerusalem. Hence, all the people who gathered from all parts of the region. It was a pilgrimage feast, and like their ancestors, They were a people moving, going someplace, with a purpose and a vision. And it is this that the Christian tradition now regards as the completion of the 50 days of Easter time. But I wonder if it ever occurred to them, and if, if it ever occurs to us, that The reason that we gather and discover that that might not be the reason that God gathers us and assembles us. Luke says that many of them were strangers to each other, but all in some way gathered for their religious and personal obligations. And yet some, perhaps, still mourning the death of their friend, Jesus, and maybe asking, what are we going to do now? I would suggest we're still working up God's answer to that very question. Into this scene, Luke describes the arrival of the Spirit in the graphic and astonishing images of wind, a great wind, and fire. Multitudes of languages and cultures, friends and strangers from all of the known areas of the world. We say it was the beginning of the church. It was the beginning of the convocation of all of God's people. Their lives were about to change and generations later we are still caught up in this remarkable event and we must still ask ourselves, what does this mean? How might this change who we are. Throughout the scriptures, of course, we encounter the use of images and signs, some of them graphic, and many of them are taken from the vocabulary of the cosmos. No surprise, since God's cosmos is God's handiwork, and God's revelation should arise out of God's creation. And we understand that the authors of these many images were trying to capture the mystery of God's revelation and to do so with imagination and faith. And these are the same two elements, imagination and faith, with which we hear these images and in which we explore them. The images of the Pentecost event have intrigued us for centuries. The images of fire and wind are primal images. They speak of energy and unpredictability. They might make us nervous, but we pay attention. I'm not sure why we ever thought that a bird, even a dove, was somehow the best image of the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit of God can hardly be domesticated. Think of the tongues of fire as though as though they were lightning. It is an unpredictable an energetic image. And we know when lightning strikes an object, like a tree or, or a building, it causes an explosion of power that radiates out into the environment. Those of us here know that that happened about a week ago or so when lightning struck a tree just out from one of the entrances to our building and any of us who went to see that tree found pieces of it 50, 100 yards away as the energy of the lightning from the sky exploded and made an impact in the whole area around. The tree itself was lacerated as though it had given up some of its parts for the cosmos, returning it to where it came from. Ah, There is a weakness in every analogy, for sure. Lightning is destructive. It can be deadly. But in the image of fire that we find in biblical scenes, it is always a sign of God's action of God's intervention and making a dramatic change in the lives of God's people. The act of God is unpredictable and it's not controllable by us, by the church, no matter how much or how often we think we have answers. The image then of the bird doesn't quite express those mighty works of God, or the mission of the Church to be God's agent for the renewal of the world. It is that renewal that we are still working on. Even as we ask, why is there still division between faith traditions? Why do we continue as a society to make distinctions based on language or creed or culture? Why is there still exploitation of those who are so vulnerable? Why do we refuse to forgive or to be reconciled? Has the face of the earth really been renewed? Will it be? The answer, our answer, must be a resounding yes. The Spirit has been poured forth and works wonders whenever and wherever the human heart is open to its urgings. It cannot be confined by age or place of origin by gender or social status, by language or culture. It seems to me that that is part of the event of that first Pentecost. As all of those from wherever they came suddenly discovered that the Spirit had exploded into them and through them so that as Paul says, their many gifts might come together as one. So when expressions of diversity are seen as God's creation, gifts of God's creation, when peaceful measures are still seen as signs of strength and respect, when a consistent ethic of life, is the reason why we take care of every person, when the outpouring of compassion that we have witnessed in amazing and first-time ways in these past three months continue to bring forth the best of the human heart, when we never tire of finding ways to reach out in times of crisis, then Then the Spirit of God will spring forth. The energy of God's love will be visible, as visible as fire. And a new wind of human decency and divine compassion will blow upon the earth.